You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. As we remain standing, let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would feed us from your word, that we may be full and satisfied and serve you well this day for the glory of your name. Amen. Please be seated. It's my second day here, and I want to say again what a joy it is to be back at the Cathedral of the Advent. Seventeen years ago, uh, which seems like such a long time ago, my wife Alicia and I spent a wonderful summer living at Advent House and being part of this great community. It's fun to be back, uh, to be rekindling friendships, and to be enjoying uh, the famous hospitality of this place. Our text uh, this afternoon is Psalm 1. And I would love for you to turn there with me as I read, because I'll be referring back to it throughout the sermon. You can find it on page 448 of the Pew Bibles, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish the word of the Lord When Alicia and I moved back to the south eight years ago, after a long hiatus up north and overseas, we had to relearn the incredible number of ways in which the word bless can be used down here. Now, in most contexts, bless simply means fortunate, as in, what a blessing. But you all know that when bless is used as a verb it can take on an unexpectedly wide range of meaning. And this is nowhere seen more clearly than in the phrase, bless his heart. You know that that can mean everything from what a sweet kid to, oh, that poor fool, what does his mother think? Thankfully, the word bless has a more limited range of meaning in the Old Testament. It means to be happy or fulfilled. And the Psalter, the book of the Psalms, it begins with the word blessed for a reason. The, the, this enormously diverse collection of poetry and prayers makes a bold promise to show us the secret to happiness. The secret to happiness, however, requires choice between two ways of living. And the stark divide between these two ways of living is captured in the first and last words of this very first psalm. So having begun with the word blessed, the psalm ends with the word perish. These two words represent the two possible destinations of every person on earth. Let's call them the way of blessing on the one hand and the way of death on the other. And I want to consider first this way of blessing. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now among those first few verses, verse 2 is the key. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So twice, the psalmist directs us to the law of the Lord. Now, the Hebrew here, uh, the word is Torah. It's both a general and a technical term. Technically speaking, uh, Torah speaks of the first five books of the Bible. These contain the law of the Lord as revealed to Moses. Generally speaking, though, Torah means so much more than God's law. It's his teaching or instruction And if you've read Genesis through Deuteronomy, you know that these books contain a lot more than just rules. They're God's guidance to the people he loves. His words are firm and clear, patient and kind. The way of blessing, the secret to happiness, is found in God's teaching. Now when you dump a thousand-piece puzzle out onto a table, what is the very first thing that you do? You turn the top of the box right side up and you set it next to the pile of pieces so that you can see what it is you're trying to construct, right? The puzzle designer has given you a picture of success. Well, the same is true with life. The creator has given us a picture of and a path toward success. And he's done so in the scriptures. And we must choose whether or not to take him at his word. And this is why the happy man delights in the teaching of God. He turns to it again and again, reading, studying, questioning, memorizing, all because it leads him down the path of blessing. Too often, we think that obeying or studying God's word is our duty rather than our delight. But verse 1 promises otherwise, and verse 3 makes it clear, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. But there's something important to notice about this picture of success. It doesn't come naturally. Verse 3 says that the blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now there are two things in this verse that don't come through in translation. First, the word planted is is more accurately rendered transplanted. So this is a tree that has been carefully moved out of bad soil and planted in good soil. Second, that phrase streams of water doesn't refer to a lovely little creek gurgling through the woods. It's a term that refers to irrigation canals that have been carefully dug into an otherwise dry and desolate patch of earth. The blessed man or woman has been dug up and transplanted, set in good soil that's fed by a network of canals. Now this is important because it helps us to see that in a fallen world such as ours, the way of blessing, it doesn't come naturally. We will not find it by trusting our instincts. We need help. We need to be picked up, moved, replanted, and nourished by cultivated streams. In other words, we need to be shown how to live. This is why the blessed man of Psalm 1 delights in God's instructions. God's word rescues him from the dead end of his own instincts. And when God rescues us, 
He doesn't slip us into a holding cell to wait for eternity. What does he do? He takes us and he plants us in good soil and he cultivates our growth so that we become fruitful, producing the good things that we were created to produce here and now. This description of a transplanted tree, it reminds us of the kind of world in which we live. It's harsh. The moral climate is dry and barren. Survival is hard. And in the 149 psalms that follow this one, the reality of life in a fallen world is portrayed with painful clarity. The way of blessing, it does not mean a life without challenge, heartache, or disruption. It is nevertheless the only route to true happiness. Now the alternative to a transplanted life of blessing is depicted in verse 4. The wicked are not so, writes the psalmist, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. This is the other path that we can choose to follow. It's the way of death. Now I know it's hard to imagine autumn at this moment. And you probably don't want to, because it's spring. But I want you to try just for a moment. Because at the end of autumn, when all the leaves have fallen, and when the weather's dry and cool, those leaves that have been raked to the curb and crushed by the cars, they begin to disintegrate. And their dust fills the air. It coats your car. It gets in your hair. You can see it filtering the sunlight when the wind picks up. Now that dust is what the Bible would call chaff. The disintegrated remains of once green leaves that have died, fallen, and been crushed into floating moats. Chaff is quite literally the dust of death. This is the end picture that Psalm 1 gives us of a person who chooses to find his own way rather than to be rooted in the living word of God. In the harsh climate of our fallen world, the one who leaves water behind will be cooked by the heat and reduced to dust. It's not a pretty picture. Now the psalm ends with an evaluation of these two ways to live in verses 5 and 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When we appear before God in judgment, those who have trusted in their own ways and been reduced to chaff, won't even be able to stand. Whereas the way of the righteous will be known to God and protected by God. One way leads to life, one way leads to life, the other to death. And the contrast is brutally stark because the stakes are high. So Psalm 1 begins with a promise. Here's the secret to happiness. Listen. The psalm then paints a picture of two ways to live, the way of blessing on the one hand that leads to eternal life and then the way of death. And in this context, the psalm issues a warning right out of the gates. And the warning is this, beware of the company you keep along the way. So back to verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now before the author can even begin to describe the way of blessing or how to receive it, he warns us about what not to do. Notice how the action slows down in this first verse. 
as it moves from walking to standing and then to sitting. The route to foregoing happiness begins with walking in the counsel of the wicked. There's no commitment here. It's just kind of a casual coming alongside. But in this casual coming alongside, counsel is sought. Opinions are welcomed. Input received. And by walking with the wicked, you end up on his path. And you're surrounded by others who are headed in the same direction away from God's will. So without realizing it, you you are suddenly not just walking, but standing in the way of sinners. Then, having grown accustomed to the company, you take your seat among them into a settled position, sitting in the seat of scoffers. What begins seemingly so innocuously moves swiftly to a fixed reality. I wonder to whom you turn when you need advice. Now, we all need counsel in life whether for professional advancement, parenting, marriage, or managing our money. And it's crucial that we turn to the right people when we do. When you need to talk through something difficult or challenging, do you choose the friend you know will simply affirm whatever you say? The friend you can complain to who will echo your frustrations back to you and egg you on? Or do you choose the friend who might ask about your motives? who might call you on your bad attitude, pull you back from a stupid decision. You know, we all need godly counselors, not just people who are worldly wise, but friends who know God's word, who understand his character, and grasp the way the world works in all of its extraordinary beauty and brokenness. This Christian life that we want to live, it's a constant yes to God and his word. It's also a repeated no to the empty promises of alternative paths chosen by so-called friends. In order to stay rooted, we need to plant ourselves among friends who delight in God's word with us and draw us to it. So Psalm 1 makes a bold promise to reveal the secret of happiness. It paints a picture of two ways to live, the way of blessing, which is rooted in God's word and leads to happiness, and the way of death, which departs from God's word and leaves us with nothing. In painting this picture, the psalm gives us a word of warning. Be careful of the company you keep along the way. There's one last observation to make, and it's this. Psalm 1 points us to a miracle. Psalm 1 points us to a miracle. Now look at verse 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The parallelism, it seems off, doesn't it? We would expect the psalm to end by saying, the way of the righteous leads to life, but the way of the wicked will perish. Instead, The contrast is not simply between life and death, even though that's implied. The key contrast is between those who are known to God and those who are not. So for the first time in the psalm, God appears as the subject of a verb. It's he and he alone who stands sovereign over these two paths. Now that verb to know, it means more than merely the knowledge of facts. It signifies understanding 
and it implies a reciprocity between subject and object. It reveals a relationship, a relationship between God and those who delight in his way. One way to paraphrase this line is to say that the righteous are well known by the Lord. The miracle that this psalm points to is the miracle of a relationship with the God who made us. That is the difference between life and death, blessing and nothing. Fast forward to Jesus' ministry. When he sat down to teach the crowds at the beginning of Matthew 5, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he picked up on this first word of Psalm 1. And he repeated it again and again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so on. Now in Matthew's Gospel, you know that this is the very first teaching that Jesus gives. It's the introduction to his ministry. And in keeping with the introduction to the Psalter in Psalm 1, Jesus is making a bold promise that those who listen to his teaching will find the secret to happiness. How do we come into a relationship with the God who made us? How can we be transplanted from dry and dusty soil to streams of living water? Through Jesus Christ. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this explicit, explaining that he himself is the fulfillment of Torah, the fulfillment of God's law, the culmination of God's revelation to his people. This miracle that Psalm 1 points us to is the miracle of a relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith and trust in him that we are transplanted by streams of living water and set on the way of blessing. So the secret to happiness, it turns out, it's not just about following instructions or choosing your friends wisely. Those are important. It's not simply about obedience or being a good person. It's about being drawn into a relationship with the God who made us and shaped us for life and his creation. The God who loved us enough to allow his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. The secret to happiness, to blessing, and to fulfillment is Jesus himself. That is the ultimate message of the first psalm. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.